Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Thriefstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, basketball fans, and welcome to the Dave and Dia podcast. Starting at center from Portland, the wily veteran, Dave Deckard. And at guard from Los Angeles, the patron saint of rainbows and unicorns, your podcast MVP, Dia Miller. Welcome back to Dave and Dia, Blazers Edge podcast. I am Dia Miller. I'm here with Dave Deckert. I feel like we should start saying what day it is because it gets confusing. It is Tuesday, July 27th. This episode will air on Thursday. That's how we do this. Dave, how's it going? How are you? Well, I'm doing better than the men's Olympic team, but uh, not as good as I we had hoped the men's Olympic team would do. So, I mean, we're kind of in the middle there. So it's uh, middle of July. Summer is always good, but things are winding toward fall. For the Blazers, there'll be a couple more months after that before it really, really gears up. But for the rest of the world, including me, fall is a busy season. So I'm trying to hold on to the last vestiges of summer, trying not to fry my brains out in 100 plus degree weather. And uh, kind of, you know, scrambling to stay sane. How are you doing? Oh, you know, uh, I'm I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. This is like, okay, for those of you who can't interpret this, this is like the response you don't want when you ask someone to prom. The, 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 the hesitation, the oh, with the extended vowel, e- either oh is bad or oh is also bad. So anything with the extended vowel, yeah. not good. And then uh, I'm doing oak, oak, oak stutter. Oh, okay. So Dia needs some energy. It seems like Dia is not doing great today night it you know it's there's just life you know life's tough sometimes i feel a little out of the loop because i've had stuff going on in my own life and so i haven't really been as locked in as i usually am i feel like i i pretty i follow things pretty closely i'm pretty active on social media on twitter kind of following along with what's going on but i feel a little bit out of the loop because the last week or so just in general life has been chaotic and and sometimes i think i'm somebody that has a hard time stepping back i tend to go full force at everything I do. And I tend to like being busy and feel like I'm accomplishing something when I'm busy. And I like staying on top of things. You know, I'm, I'm, I 
try to communicate and be on Twitter and be interactive and things like that pretty regularly. So when I hit a point like I'm at right now with stuff that I'm dealing with right now, and I have to take a step back and just kind of back off of social media and back off of things like that, just kind of take a break. It's a weird thing for me because I feel very out of the loop. You know, I, I, I'm a single mom at home with three kids. And I think it's real easy to forget that there's a world out there because I don't have any connection with it on those days. So uh, I, I feel a little out of the loop. I, I don't really fully feel like I know what's going on right now. Well, I'm a single dad at home with two kids for the last couple of weeks, and I've loved it. Of course, my kids are older, so there's a little more detachment there, and we've done fun stuff. So I've enjoyed it. I'm actually sad that mine are going to be leaving in a day or two. So uh, I'm, I'm inverted, but similar to you, although I do know enough to know that Henry Abbott came out with uh, another article about Dave. This will cheer you up. Henry so, Abbott's killing me these days. <laughs> I know. He's doing great work, uh, making all of us super depressed. But kind of doubled down or followed up on his article from a week and a half ago that said that uh, Dame was in the position where he might be angling for a trade. And Dame, of course, came out in the press conference and gave a both ways answer, although it's it's a Rorschach test, as it always is with good PR stuff, that those who say uh, Dame is staying forever will hear Dame said, you know, I expect to be in a Portland uniform this fall, and I'm not demanding a trade a at this point, and uh, nobody should talk for me except me. And people go, yeah, stuck it to the man or whatever. That's what I mean, that's what I heard. That, right. That's not what you heard. No, well. <laughs> because he also said, yeah, well, I want to win and we have not been winning and this is disappointing. And honestly, I haven't made any decisions about my future yet, which is, you don't want to hear that. I mean, it's, you know what? I, forgive me since we opened the show like this. It's way too serious of comparison, but I've, I've had to go through it recently. You know, when you realize that there's a possibility that you might get divorced and you're looking for clues because immediately you go into panic mode. And I, you know, it was not my choice. I, I've made no secret of that. I don't rue it or regret it. I don't have bitterness. But when you first hear that the other, your partner might be considering this for whatever reason, even good ones, even unavoidable ones, you start going into panic mode and like reading clues, right? And does this mean this or does that mean that or whatever? And you can always find something. Oh, she or he said this or, or something also to go the other way. Oh, this is terrible. She or he said that. And you try to read into it. What you don't realize is that you even having to do that says that something's up, <laughs> Right. And that's what it feels like with Dave. You can read either way based on what he said. But the fact that you're having to read and that it means that much and you're this scared means that, yeah, this relationship isn't on solid ground. In any case, Abbott kind of doubled down or expanded on that, uh, told the story of a Team USA dinner with hangers on and various other people where Lillard talked at least somewhat less guardedly than usual about being a bit disenchanted with Portland, about things not going the way he wanted, which he expressed somewhat in his press conference. But Abbott quoted a 75-25 chance of, you know, 25% of demanding a trade right now on that night or within the next 48 hours. Obviously, that didn't happen, but... Well, I mean, a quarter, 25% chance is quite a bit. And then went on to expand on all the ways in which that was true, the reasons in which it's true, the, the reasons in which he might be more likely to go, including James Harden 
going through a little bit of a nightmare, but then finding a happy home in Brooklyn. And it didn't end up hurting him. And Dame, I think, realizing that it's not really, really going to hurt him with anybody but Portland fans, and they're going to forgive him. So, I mean, there's there's not a huge downside. All that stuff. It, it went into a lot of stuff. In any case, brought up, kind of opened up that old story or the same story. And uh, yeah, that's where it's left. I mean, where are you with this? You know, I've, I've talked a little bit on this podcast about the fact that my dad was a pastor for most of my life. And uh, one of the things that my dad, one of the policies, I guess, that my dad had was when someone would come to him and say, you know, someone is saying this, my dad's reaction always was, tell me who. And if they refused to tell him who, he wouldn't deal with it. It was basically, we're not going to deal with gossip. If you want to give me a source a na- and name your source, then we'll deal with the issue. And I always really appreciated that. And I'd really appreciate it if the media started doing that. <laughs> if, if I know, you know, all the protect your sources and all that stuff. I know, I know, I know. But all these, I, I am telling you, everybody has a source these days and it is making me crazy. This kind of stuff, I, while again, I'm, I'm gonna, I said this last time, I think that, you know, Henry Abbott is reputable. I, I don't think he's saying things that he is not confident about. I am not at all accusing him of not being on the up and up at all. But as a fan, just I, taking myself even out of the media standpoint, just as a fan, this stuff makes me crazy because it's like you, 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 there's these conversations that are happening. And, and, you know, I mean, I feel like, don't you, don't you ever have those conversations with your friends where you're just venting and being totally unrealistic? I have conversations like that a lot where it's like, well, this is what I want to do, but it's never what I actually end up doing. And so I wonder in a situation like this, how much, you know, Dame's among peers. He's among people who are not part of his team with the Blazers, are not part of that. So he doesn't have to worry about hurting their feelings when he talks about this. He's, he's among people who are possibly who have maybe experienced some of this themselves and and know what it's like and so i wonder how much of this conversation that was overheard and shared because you know it's it wasn't the players that were sharing this information so somebody overheard this and shared it i wonder how much of this was just a venting of frustration of this is where i'm at this is what i think whatever versus what will actually happen one of the things that i have come to really appreciate about dame is he seems to be a man of his word you know he he faces things head on and he will answer questions and he will deal with things in his own words in his own time um and i appreciate that about him and just for my own sanity as a fan Again, this is not as I'm taking off my media hat here and just saying as a fan, I choose to just believe that he's going to be here until he comes out and says otherwise, because otherwise I am going to go absolutely nuts trying to anticipate what may or may not happen. And I've already gone through that stage a little bit, so I'm trying to just back off and relax for now. A fair point about the complexity of it. I mean, there, there are a couple layers here. One is, is this accurate? And I think with the level of detail in there, that that Abbott put in his article. There's no way that this is off the cuff. There's no way that this was a waiter overhearing things. This would be, I mean, I, I could, wouldn't be career suicide, but this would be very, very unusual to have this level of detail out there this expansively, because there was a lot in that article, again, on truehoop.com. You can find the link to it at Blazer's Edge. But there's no way that this is not very well sourced. Well, yeah, people. I didn't, nec- no, I didn't I know, necessarily I know. mean just somebody walking through the room, but like, I don't, I doubt it was one of the actual players. I think it's probably personal. I don't know. I don't think we can say that, honestly. I don't think we can say really? that. Really? 
Yeah, no. I'd be shocked by that. I think I think there are players who would say things. We might not know who it is. You're accurate about that. Yeah. We'll never know who it is. But I, I don't think we can dismiss that. You may be right. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm saying I wouldn't dismiss that so easily. The second layer, though, is how much of a safe space was that for Lillard? And how much would he know or perceive that being a safe space? And first of all, athletes, especially superstar athletes, don't get that. Your safe space might be your mom and your spouse. Even things like cousins or uh, siblings have absolutely been known to go to media. Sometimes it's your dad, by the way. (laughs) Uh, So, And everybody outside of that, you have to know there's a chance if you're speaking that it's going to go beyond you. So did Dame let his guard down and... Did he have to learn that lesson? Is this, a, is this something that Dame is learning and he walked in there innocent and thought he was in a safe space and wasn't? I find that a little hard to believe with his experience in the league. Yeah. Although he has been sheltered in Portland, I will give him that. I mean, and we've seen his PR, I, I, I want to say in elegance, but you can tell that his PR experience is not real, real deep. It's broad and it looks great on the facade. But if you turn sideways, if you turn Dame sideways, there's some finesse lacking there. Okay. So I, I wouldn't discount entirely that maybe he thought he was safer than he was. But I tend to think that the simplest explanation is simply that, as you say, he needed a place to talk. And this has li- risen to the level inside him where he's not necessarily so cautious that he's not going to talk to it in a circle besides his closest one. That there's, it, it's, it's real enough to him that it's starting to get out more than just inside his head and more than just among his closest confidants. And that's exactly what happened here, I am guessing, or that's the simplest explanation, which again, leads some credence to it, to its reality anyway. Whether or not he was wishful thinking, as you say, he may have been. He may have been venting, right? But even if he's kind of venting or wishful thinking, I, I don't think there's a lot of doubt that he's now doing it among a much wider circle to a much wider effect. And that is different. And that's not great news for the trailblazer. Yeah. You know, this is one of those things I struggle with because again, like here we are technically this is media. What we're doing right now is, is I suppose media, which is interesting to me, but I struggle with this concept so much. I mean, I have been in positions where I've had conversations with people that I probably could have turned around and made into a a news blast, you know, and put it out there. I won't say more than that. I think that's, this is one of the things that I will always struggle with. I don't think ever in my career could I be one of these people that breaks news because for me, it's just a struggle. I, I, I struggle. And I think part of this goes to my whole, the players are people first and I get attached to them as people just as much as I do as players. And so when stuff like this is happening and, and you see something like this, I see something like this come out and I struggle with it because I feel like, okay, was this something that like he wanted out there? And I, and I know that that may be hypocritical as someone in the media. You know, I'm out here writing things about what's going on and what other people have broken news and I'm writing about it. And, and I get that. Um, but I think for me, there's always been lines that I just refuse to cross and there, you know, trust is big for me. It's got to be a struggle to be somebody in in that kind of a place where you have to worry about literally everyone. I can't imagine that. I feel for that. I I hope that that's not what it was. I hope that he didn't feel like he was in a trusting, uh, trustworthy situation and then it just got leaked. There's a part of me that hopes that he knew full well that it was going to go out there and he just said it anyway because I just... 
you know, you, you hope that they don't get betrayed that way, I guess. I, I, don't I, f- know. I find that more likely because I, I'm almost certain that he would have been betrayed or has been betrayed in that way. Every, every professional athlete is. That comes with the salary. There's a lot of things that people think come with the salary and the position that actually shouldn't, like name calling and stuff like that. But that people are going to pay attention to what you say and read into it, and people are going to talk about what you say and who you are, that absolutely, uh, you find that out very quickly. So I can't believe that he wouldn't somewhat know, but I I hope with you it isn't true. I think you brought up the other thing, though. There's a non-zero possibility, and I'm not saying that this happened. Do not quote me saying this is what happened, all right? I'm saying there's a possibility that some of this wider leakage is not accidental because how are you going to gauge interest? How are you going to force movement or whatever if nobody knows? And it's all well and good saying, well, I just take it to Neil. But you go and you talk to Neil Olshay inside his office. And of course, he wants you to stay because this is a disaster, public relations wise, if no, no other way, right? So he listens to you and he goes, yeah, yeah, we'll take care of it. But unless it goes beyond those ears, it's not really real. And you're, you're dependent on his internal whatever's uh, urgency or willingness to facilitate that for you. And, and you also know, frankly, that Neil wants what Neil wants. And Neil is really good at telling people other things when necessary to get what he wants. So there's, I'm not sure there's a lot of security there in terms of if I told Neil it would really get done uh, or he would do his best. So how do you get the engine moving? You let it go a little bit wider. And and by the yeah. way, I'm not saying again, not saying Dame does did this, but agents do this all the time. Players yeah. do this all the time. This absolutely this is a role of media. The media right. functions this way as mouthpieces for people. I'm, I'm Abbott is not Dame's mouthpiece. There was no direct intentionality here, but indirect intentionality might be a thing too, or if nothing else, as you say, just not caring that it's said, because having it said kind of benefits what you want, which is change of some sort, either with the Blazers or by being traded to a new team. Yeah, I mean, you hear things like that all the time, and, and, and especially in this situation. And again, I have to remind myself that, like, we don't know Damian Lillard personally. We know what we're allowed to know, uh, what he allows us to know, what the team allows us to know. That's what we know. And so it goes against who I know him to be to manipulate in that way. And I, I don't even necessarily mean to use manipulate in a negative sense, because I know, like you said, this is part of it. This is part of how things get done. He seems to me to be somebody that tends to be direct um, and go through certain channels when he wants things communicated. But it could be, especially when you're dealing with someone like Neil, who is going to do whatever the hell he wants, regardless. It could be a, a productive way to get things done. Because if you go out there and say, and put it out there, uh, with if you have media saying, look, if Dame doesn't have big moves made, he's going to go, then you're going to start to get fan pressure and things like that as well on Neil to, to make some moves where he maybe wouldn't feel that pressure otherwise. At the very least, then if he doesn't do it and Dame goes, fans are almost on his side because it's like, well, he said he wanted it and and they didn't do it. So, you know, and it, it almost makes the exit then a little more amicable because as fans, we're on his side. We're on his team. We want him to succeed. We want him to get the things that he's asking for. I mean, I can't tell you how many times a day I see things, tweets along the lines of give Dame what he wants, whatever it is, give it to him. 
And so I think there's a sense in which if if this gets out there, it kind of puts the Portland fans in his corner when he inevitably then asks for a trade and goes somewhere else instead of being pissed off that he's not in Portland anymore. Fans are kind of like, oh, well, you know, I mean, he gave us a chance and we blew it. This is why you're brilliant, because I was thinking the same thing. In fact, we don't have to. The narrative has already changed, hasn't it? Imagine if two weeks ago, out of the blue, Dame makes a trade demand. Goes to Neil, says, I want to be traded. That gets out. Then everybody's PO'd at Dame, right? we, we We thought that was happening, and everybody was pissed. Yeah, going back on your word and whatever. But now that it's happening kind of at a ground level, flooding from the basement up, and there's time elapsing and kind of indirect whatever. And again, not saying this is intentional on Dame's part at all, but I, I am saying it's beneficial because with this time elapse and this flooding from the basement up, now what's the story going to be if he has to be traded? Well, he made clear what he needed and the Blazers yep. didn't do it. Didn't give it to him. Yeah. So that is the savvy PR move. Now, again, did Dame do this intentionally? Is Dame doing this intentionally? Don't know. Probably not. Or is not. Dame even doing it at all? It may not yeah. even be him. Right. We have no idea about that. All we know is that even if he's not doing it intentionally, this is probably what he should be doing if his discontent is real. And I think his discontent is real because A, again, this article, it was spoken by him in some manner in front of those people. And B, he downright said it in his open press conference that he wasn't sure anymore where he wanted to be. And that was a radical change like we talked about last week. So it's basically putting two and two together and ending up with four. And you got to realize you're at four now. And you also got to realize if you hit six or seven, there's only one way this is going to go. So if the Blazers are going to turn it around, better do it now. Yeah, it's it's not a pretty situation. And every time something new comes out, I, I feel a little sick about it. Honestly, I was talking to somebody earlier today and I said, I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I'm reading these. I'm sitting there reading these articles, you know, trying to get caught up on things since I've been a little bit out of check. Um, and I'm, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, I just don't, I don't want to talk about Dame leaving anymore. I just want, I just, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. I just don't want to. I know I'm getting, I'm getting it's a little bit of flashbacks. I mean, it's just now that I, I hadn't realized the comparison before I brought it up here, right here with you. But obviously again, it's smaller, nowhere near the depth or impact, but this, this is feels like uh, headed toward either needing serious marital counseling or the uh, divorce. It brings up the same patterns and feelings and, and including that avoidance. I don't know. As soon as I saw, oh, Troop has an article on Dame, I was like, I know what this is going to be. <laughs> I didn't even have to read it. Read it. It's not going to be pretty. Uh, and it wasn't. And, but the funny thing is, too, that we should say this. It's not unamicable divorce if it happens. I mean, again, part of that is Dame's PR, but some of it really, you can't go, you jerk. You can't go. I mean, it's just, no. it's, it's situational. It's not a good yeah. situation right now in Portland at all for anyone. And it's really not if you're Damien Lillard. Someone responded to something that I tweeted the other day and said, so if Dame goes somewhere else, will you buy his jersey? And, and yeah, I absolutely would. You know, Damian Lillard has done a really good job of creating, aside from Portland Trailblazer fans, Damian Lillard fans. And, and, and most of Rip City, I think, is Damian Lillard fans. And there will be people who are bitter and hurt and angry, regardless of how savvy he is in this process and how much he deserves to be somewhere that will 
take care of him, for lack of a better way of saying that, there will be people who are bitter and angry. But honestly, I think the majority of people will be supportive of wherever he ends up going. I think about this a little bit with Clyde. Now, I was a little kid when he got traded to the to the Rockets, and so I don't remember all the things that happened surrounding it. But I remember when it happened. I clearly, I mean, I even wrote an article about this early on when I started writing for Blazer's Edge, but I remember clearly when that happened and just all those feelings that came, even as a, I think he, I think it was seven when this happened. I was pretty little and all the things that came with that. I think about that and, and, and how, you know, I, I went on to be a Houston Rockets fan for the years that he played in Houston. I still loved Clyde just as much as I had when he was a trailblazer. And I think that Dame has created the same kind of fans where no matter where he goes, people are going to love him and, and they're going to support him even if he's not in Portland. That being said, I really hope he stays in Portland because I really like watching him on this team. Yeah, let's hit on the anger part, though. You you realize now, Dame is, as the article pointed out from True Hoop, Dame is one of the higher paid athletes. I don't just mean in salary. He's He's got a name, but yeah. he's giving up money to stay in Portland. Uh, he is. I mean, if nothing else, local endorsements. If he went to New York, New Jersey area, or he went to Los Angeles, his local endorsements would probably amount to a few more million in his pocket minimum. And as Dwight Jane, see, we mentioned you, Dwight, hello, uh, is often fond of pointing out, Oregon has a pretty impressive income tax. And by impressive, I mean large compared to other states. So, uh, thanks, lack of sales tax, you know, your income tax has to be higher. So, you know, if he were to go to Florida, he would automatically get millions of dollars because they have no income tax. So, he's paying money to stay in Portland. And I don't think he minds doing that because he probably ascertains correctly that most things considered, he's got enough. But right. when you start getting angry at him for not moving or calling him disloyal, all of a sudden that stuff starts to matter. Oh yeah, I'm giving up, you know, I'm giving up seven, eight million in local endorsements to stay here a year. And I'm also giving up, uh, I don't know, uh, five million in uh, tax. Okay, that's $12 million a year I'm paying you or I'm paying out in order to stay here. Uh, and you're yeah. calling me disloyal? Really? That's a million dollars a month. You, you do. What will you do for a million dollars a month? Rick? You'll do more than, more than you do for a Klondike bar, that's for sure. And uh, that's what I'm doing and you're calling me disloyal. So, hey, Lillard escapes from this clean no matter what and only the, the most rose-colored glasses and the most bitter of people will have beyond a few weeks of angst over this, it's going to end up good for Dame no matter which way it goes. Yeah, I hope he stays, though, just from a selfish perspective. I, I, It's a whole lot more fun watching the Trailblazers when he's a part of it. Yeah, I mean, it'd be interesting. I mean, rebuild. I mean, that's you've got to think, rebuild. Obviously, Dame's salary. Now, if he, he can't leave for nothing because they have to trade him. His contract's not expiring. But right. God knows what you're going to take back for $36 million or $40 million. Okay, I, I, I'm, I don't think I'm ready to talk about this. Okay, but, <laughs> but no, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I'm not going to talk about players. I'm just talking about how the heck do you trade that salary? Oh. If you're not getting a comparable superstar back in return, and you know you're not going to get in contention with that deal. In fact, you're going backwards. But you're taking back enough money to where you're still luxury taxed? That's a problem. Because now you're luxury taxed for a worse team. That, that's not going to fly. So, Ugh. ergo, 
they have to rebuild. I mean, if Dame goes, unless they can get some kind of miracle deal, they have to bank on young assets, young whatevers, and they have to then start getting rid of some of their other big contracts, get below that tax line, and at that point, you're just you're just resetting. So, I mean, this is going to, it's not just the first domino, it's the entire table under all the dominoes that's going to go. So you better reset and play a different game at that point. I cannot even begin to wrap my brain around this. Like, I'm just not ready. I'm I'm banking on the fact that he's basically said he's giving us an, the, you know, a little bit of time here still. So I'm just banking on the fact that when the season starts, Dame will still be part of this team. And that's as far as I can go for now on that. I can't do it. Okay, so we've got a couple things that are happening. One directly is Derek Jones Jr. picking up his option. Now, I've heard some back and forth about this. Ultimately, this is a good thing. That doesn't mean that he has to stay. He can still be traded. Things can still happen with that. But I think that this is a good thing. Dave, what do you think about this? I think it is, too, from the perspective of, at minimum, it gives him another contract. And it's in that prized middle area. Okay, Mm -hmm. that we talked about, because if we talked about before, we have a couple of really expensive contracts and we have a few really cheap contracts, both of which create their own problems when trying to make deals. Right. The middle contract guys like Robert Covington or Yusuf Nurkic, the Blazers might find so valuable to their lineup that they're not willing to move them, especially if that's just as an addition to another trade. Like, we're not even looking really to trade you, Nurk. We just need your salary to make this deal work. That better be one heck of a deal if you're losing Nurkic and somebody, right? And that's not going to happen. What Derek Jones Jr. gives them is a nine point whatever million dollar contract to then throw in as uh, ballast. So that's important, I think. Another key hidden feature uh, is something we're going to talk about in a minute is it'll be draft day when you hear this. Until Jones Jr. opted in, he wasn't tradable uh, uh, for this year right. during the draft. And I don't know if the Blazers are going to make any deals in the draft or not, but it's a little bit nicer to have him as an option. Because, and the reason is, by the way, you cannot trade someone whose contract is about to expire in two weeks. It's, it's illegal. Okay. Now that his contract is going to extend, then he can be traded because he's with the team for another year and he can be traded on draft night. So that helps. Uh, What do you think? I mean, do you think it makes much difference on the court or how do you feel about it? No, I think Derek Jones Jr. is is maybe a little bit of an untapped potential. There were times where he was starting for us this year. He's got some solid skill. I mean, obviously, we've talked about his ability to fly and that's entertaining and fun. And and also, I mean, you get something near the hoop, he's going to get it in. And I, I think that that's not only fun, but valuable. So I think there's some some potential there for him. I would like to see him utilized. I'd like to see him as part of this team. Uh, I think he fit well. And, and just from a fan perspective, he's fun. To, he's one of those people that's just fun to watch. He's fun to watch on the court. He's fun to watch off the court. I just like him. I'd like to see him stick around. I think he's one of those pieces that could maybe, if if we make some roster changes and we make some moves, and, and again, you know, we're talking about a new coaching staff, a new way of essentially doing things. And while I don't have a whole lot of confidence that that's going to make major changes, I think with someone like Derek Jones Jr., where there's some untapped potential and some, ability there it it could make a difference barring a really good trade i think he's worth keeping 
I think, you know, like we've talked about before, if there are deals that come up that are good deals and, and you need to package in somebody like him, then I think you do it. But I think overall, if, if we can hold on to him, I, I think he's a good asset for us. He's young and he can fly. I wish he had Will Barton's offensive skill set. I mean, I know that's aiming high, sixth man of the year, but boy, he would be fun if he could become like a popcorn scoring machine. But yeah. uh, to be fair, A, that's not going to happen. But B, even if it were going to happen, he hasn't had the chance to do that kind of thing yet. So maybe there's some ceiling there. I, I don't think it's the ceiling is at Barton level, but if he could become a young, exciting, all-around, a little bit more of an all-around player, I think the Blazers would, would like it. But I honestly think that the main value in this is not forecasting him s- staying for the next three years. His contract only runs through next summer, not this summer now. But he could be tradable. He's another, he's another yeah. moving part. And the Blazers would not have gained anything by him leaving they would not have gained salary cap space or anything. It's basically decent deal for the Blazers. Yeah, hopefully he sticks around. And kind of to that tune, we've also got Gary Trent Jr. is being talked about right now. You know, he's obviously not on our team anymore, but um, he was last season for a while. And his contract, he's he's expected to go for between 18 to 20. Is that what I saw? 18 to 20 million? Yep. That's expected. Now, that's rumored. But we were saying that, too. I know we named the $20 million figure. I think that was a little bit uh, stretchy. But you know what? He had a couple of good performances, and it looks more reasonable now. Uh, let's just not say it's not out of the question. And I don't think he's going to go to for 12. Let's put it that way. You know, 15 even seems like, well, he could... He could he could add on to that. So I think 18 to 20 is not unreasonable. I'd be surprised to see him make 24, but I'd be surprised to see him make less than 16 too. So the Raptors will settle with him or someone will make him a big deal to make them settle with him. But I think they're, they're planning on keeping him. I think that was probably intended when they got him. And I think even at the point that they got him, they had to know that this was coming between him signing with clutch sports, who's infamous for getting, you know, good money for their players and his trajectory. I think, I don't think that this is really a surprise for anyone. So it's been fun to watch him in Toronto. I, for one, am am happy to see him there. I think it's a good fit for him and, and I hope he does really well. Yeah, I mean, and the big question for Portland is, now, what do you get? First of all, can you get Norman Powell? And second, what do you get Norman Powell for? Because yeah. I think the Blazers are hoping that his number comes in around 20. Now, you know, he might get 22, 23, because he has right. more experience and, you know, track record. But I don't think the Blazers are hoping to sign him, Norman Powell for 28. <laughs> I mean, I, no. think, I no. think they're looking for Gary Trent plus Whoa. 10%, or even Gary Trent numbers. Well, if that happens, which one would you rather have? I think if the Blazers can contend, in the next couple years and they keep Lillard, then that answer might be Powell. Oh, yeah. I don't even think it's a might. But if they have to rebuild, and this is the might, if they have to rebuild, Norman Powell, I think, becomes less valuable than Gary Trent, if nothing else, because Trent is younger. And Trent might have more to show at this point. I mean, so this was supposed to be a good move for the Blazers, and it needs to be a good move for the Blazers. And if it turns out they both sign for the same and Portland can't make full use of Powell, it, it, it becomes a neutral move for the Blazers. Right, best. right. And that's what they can't have. So I don't know. It's it's dicey here. Uh, I'm interested to see what Norm signs for. And then, of course, he and Gary will always be compared in our minds. They're different players to me, so it's hard to compare them. I mean, obviously, you know, this is kind of how the cookie crumbles in situations like this. But I think we obviously need to try to hold on to Norm Powell 
You know, Gary Trent Jr. was one of the hard ones to watch him go. I I liked him. I was a big fan of his, but I think he was ready. I think he wanted to go. I think he wanted to be somewhere else. He's made comments. We've talked about that before. Um, so, you know, the, the other thing is there's nothing to say that we might not end up with him again at some point. You know, if we do end up rebuilding, that might be somebody that they go after. If we keep Neil, that seems to be his, his MO is going after players that we've had before. So um, that's a possibility. But, you know, either way, again, I, I wish him the best there. I think he, it's a really good fit for him. It seems to be a really good fit for him. I hope Norman stays with us. I think he's a good fit for us. I think he's, you know, he was a solid contributor. And I would, I, I'm hoping that they're going to make some of these moves that Dame seems to want to see and not just run it back and keep the same roster and change the coaches. I, I think that would be a, a mistake. But I don't think it would be a mistake to try to keep Norman Powell. So I'm looking up the numbers here. And the Blazers are at 97.8 guaranteed, but that's without Jones. And he adds 9.8, so that's uh, 106, about 107.5. And the salary cap is 109. So here's where the Blazers are. If Norman Powell walks, the Blazers are not going to have any salary cap to replace him. I'm double-checking this. But yeah, I mean, 97.8, and then add Derek Jones, 10 million, 90, yeah. They're, they're not going to have cap room. They'll have the same cap exception they would have if he stayed. So I think we can say right now that the absolute disaster, and here's the, if Derek Jones Jr. left, didn't pick up his options, then they'd have cap space, potentially, if right. Powell walked, because they're not bringing Zach Collins back. I mean, they wouldn't have a ton, right. but they'd have something, more than an exception. We can say with confidence that if Powell just goes somewhere else as a restricted free agent, this has now been a disaster for the Blazers. Because there's no way to replace him. There's no yeah. way the team got better if Norman Powell and Gary Trent Jr. are both gone, right? Right. I mean, you lose all your depth. As we talked about before, their future right now, or not, not their future, their present right now, is hinging on what one of their free agents, who's not even their main guy, does. And what he does may well affect everything that happens for this franchise over the next five years. Yeah, And again, as we said before, this is not where you want to be. You want to be in control of your future. You want to be choosing between options. You don't want to be waiting on a player who's your third or fourth best player <laughs> and a guy who just came to the franchise, by the way, and your future is now hinging on him. But that's what it's going to be. And again, we can say that also because if the Blazers, the, their way out would be to engineer a huge trade. But most people think that's going to be done with CJ if it happens at all. But even a miracle trade with CJ doesn't make you deeper if Norm goes. So you, you now watch Norman Powell. He is going to be the story of this offseason. Let's hope it's a good one for Portland. But if you're asking whether or not they're going to crank out the money for him, they have to at this point. Yeah. And it's going to be yeah, really, really interesting do. to see if his agent understands that he's got him over a barrel. That should be an interesting uh, negotiation. Let's hope his agent doesn't listen to our podcast because you just gave it away. Well, I'm sure that they figured that out, <laughs> especially with Damian Lillard. You know, this is the ripples. Oh, Dame's going to get traded unless the team gets better. <laughs> if I'm Powell's agent, I'm knocking on Neil Olshay's door saying, hey, guess what? First of all, Norm makes your team better. But if he leaves, 
your team's going to get a lot worse. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Here's your cap line. We're all looking at it. So uh, thank you. I'd like uh, like whatever my comp is, and I'd like you to add 15% to that, please. And uh, we will happily resign with you. I hate the off season, Dave. I hate it so much. Oh, you should hate I'm, this one. I'm sitting here. Ugh. You should I hate, hate them this one. all, but this one especially. This one especially is is threatening my sanity. Okay. I I'm. I mean, we we are barely even into the official trade season, off season, whatever you want to call it. Like literally, just within the last week is when it actually officially started, and I've aged. I don't like looking at my phone in the morning. I'm afraid of the messages that are going to be showing up in our Slack and in on Twitter and in my messages. Like I just, I have anxiety about it. The Blazers are aging me. Well, at least this time you could see it coming. I mean, this is, I'll tell you what this is. So in 2016, there was big hope, right? Big hope. And it was like going out on a blind date and you're going like, maybe this is the one. And then it turned out your blind date was just terrible. You had to emergency call your girlfriend to get her to pretend That's to be your mother. That's me every single season. Okay. This is me every season. That was 2016, right? So you emergency out of the day. Then the draft. That the 2017 draft, that too, at least you got in a relationship there. I mean, you, you spent a year or so trying to figure it out before you figured out, no, this was bad too. This didn't work either, right? At least this time you're going, oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm going to have to settle here. I'm, I'm just, I don't know that I'm going to find my happily ever after. I just hope I find a date for my cousin's wedding that doesn't embarrass the hell out of me. Uh, but <laughs> you can you at thinking- least know, but the sick part is you have to go out on this date anyway. You can see it coming and you know how this is going to turn out, but you have to swipe right anyway because you don't have a lot of other choices. This is why you just stay single forever. Just saying, I, this is I'm, this is not for me. I can't take this life. Yeah, I know. Um, I've, I've, you, now you've great. Now you've driven me into a ditch. Single forever. Oh, thanks to you. <laughs> now Dave's going to be in the fetal position, crying. You're in a fetal position, crying over Damian Lillard. I'm in a fetal position, crying over my complete lack of ability to negotiate dating norms in 2021. Oh, that's a whole other discussion. Oh man, we should have that podcast because I'm I need help. I'm clueless. I don't even know how to talk to people anymore. I don't think it's worth it, honestly. I'm <laughs> I think, to when that I say out. when I say stay single forever, I'm not totally exaggerating, and I'm not just talking about basketball. Yeah, exactly. Oh boy, sorry, folks. Okay. <laughs> The Olympics. Did you see the tweet the other day that that I, I don't know who tweeted it. It was a NBC, I want to say, or somebody like that that tweeted, "What isn't an Olympic sport but feels like an Olympic sport?" So that's my segue. Dating. Yeah. It's covering the Blazers <laughs> right now is what it is. But yeah, that too. So I, good news answer, in the Olympics, right? There can't be bad news in the Olympics, right? Dave, this is supposed to be good, right? We lost. So there's that. Maybe this is enough to say. Like, hey, Dame, you know, even when you're surrounded by superstars, you won't win them all. Stay in Portland. There's my spin. There's my spin. There's the positive. That's not working. Yeah, so the the men's basketball team lost to France. Just like everything else in my life, I am a little out of touch with this. I did not watch. I've got stuff going on, and I just haven't. I have not kept up like I normally do. So I can't speak to how the game went or anything like that. But I will say this, and I said it, I think, the last time we did this podcast. um, People underestimate the ability of countries outside the U.S. I think a lot of people go into these thinking that 
this is going to be a slam dunk, uh, no pun intended. I think that it is not. There is a lot of really good basketball out there. There are NBA players who are on the teams of other countries. Luca, you know, we know he's playing for another team. We've got, um, I mean, there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of names I could throw out there. There's, I think on a lot of the teams, there are NBA players, you know, the FIBA rules, all the things we've talked about before. We've talked about all these things on the podcast before. I just think that the U S tends to underestimate other countries and, and feel like this is just something that we're automatically going to win. And it is very much not the case. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how the rest of this goes. I've got a good news update for you, Dia, that I just checked the score while you were talking because the game is ongoing as we podcast here. And the score is United States 60, Iran 30 at halftime. And Dame Lillard has 18 points. So uh, I think this is going better than uh, the France game. And uh, if they come back and lose this one, then there's going to be there's going to be a riot. So, uh, I mean, I think that uh, the U.S. will still get to the medal round. Maybe they'll be uh, they'll be checked there. I mean, you know what, though? It would not have shocked me going in. And I kind of thought this, you know, I, I'm saying this now, it's easy to say after a loss to France, I get it. I don't think the U.S. is going to fail, but it wouldn't entirely shock me to see them win bronze, to see them lose one game yeah. and end up playing for the for third place instead of the gold medal or silver yeah. on the same theory. I think they still might have one loss left in them if they're not careful, but I do believe that they'll do anything possible to avoid that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely not a given it just isn't and i don't think we can expect that you know and 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 again i i said something about this on twitter today like i i it's nothing to scoff at a bronze medal a silver medal that's nothing to scoff at that that's an accomplishment to to take home any olympic medal is an accomplishment and i think we very quickly i think we're quick to dismiss that but for the team to bring home a silver medal or a bronze medal and and to be olympic medalists that's an accomplishment that's a huge accomplishment and i don't think that's anything to be scoffed at well i also think it shows that i mean the first thing you need to win in basketball is talent talent is usually going to win that's absolutely a given okay Uh, without talent nothing else matters but even with the talent things like roles and you know pecking order and cohesiveness and experience do matter it is still a team game. And well, you could say, well, I can have a bright, shining superstar like Allen Iverson that changes the game all by himself. That's true. But Allen Iverson also has to be playing with people who accept that that's his role and that's what he's going yeah. to do. If Allen Iverson is playing next to Kobe Bryant, who is playing next to Kevin Durant, and not all of them agree who's going to get the ball, they're not going to look great. This is part of the the flaw, especially with the just coming together so soon before the Olympics. It does matter because when Damian Lillard steps on the floor in Portland, everybody on the floor for both teams knows his role. He knows what he yeah. does. Everyone else does too. The Team USA, yeah. is that him? Is it Kevin Durant? They have to figure that out right? Team France doesn't have that problem, by the way. First of all, because they don't have the dominant superstars. Second of all, because they played together from time immemorial. Yeah. So they already have it worked out. The United yeah. States is working it out. I think they'll get it together. And I think they have enough shooting to where that's going to take care of itself. But I think they're vulnerable to a cold streak. And I think they're vulnerable to indecision if they are put to the test. And you see people looking at each other instead of just acting instinctively. That's where basketball gets hard. Uh, let's hope that they're good enough to overcome it. Yeah, I think that's a big, a big point that, you know, a lot of these teams have been 
playing together for years and, and the same people stay on the team and go to the Olympics. Ours don't even compete. This team didn't even compete in the preliminary stuff. You know, I, in the FIBA competitions that lead up to the Olympics, a lot of these teams are playing as they are in the Olympics, or at least with some of the same players. Ours don't both women's and men's ours don't. So this is when they start preparing for the Olympics right before that's the first time they're playing together. And you've got a bunch of superstars that are having to learn to play with other superstars. And that's just a different way of playing. And so, yeah, I agree. I think they'll, I think they'll start to find a groove and I, I think they'll get there, but either way, you know, good basketball. There's a lot of good basketball right now. If, if you can stay up till three in the morning. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's something I've commented on on Twitter. Who that can find this stuff? People are watching things. They're going, they're watching things that I want to watch. They're going, this rowing is awesome, or this archery is whatever. And I'm going, where is it? I mean, I have most of the channels. The only channel I don't have is CNBC. I can't find any of it. And even when it's on yeah. the programming guide, it's not there. I saw a tweet about how the ratings were down. And someone was like, yeah, because we can't find it. <laughs> right. Well, and I watched the overnight NBC stuff a couple of nights ago, like on their main channel, and quickly figured out that it was just a repeat of primetime. And that they're in Tokyo. Right. They're not even doing live NBC stuff. They always used to do that. You know, that uh, you could hear, you could see weird sports at night that were going on live. And now yeah. it's all like, I'm, I'm not trying to be you, grandpa, find your stuff, but literally, okay, the internet stuff that comes from me comes pretty slowly. And even their internet page is not real fun to navigate. I've gone to NBCOlympics.com or whatever the heck it is. And they have like 92 options, very few of which appear to leave, lead to live broadcasts. And so yeah. they, they just need to work on that. It's, it's frustrating. Along the Olympic lines, there's something that I think we want to talk about that isn't basketball related, but is still worth mentioning and, and kind of always goes back to it. And that's Simone Biles, um, who is a gymnast for the United States gymnastics team. And she, she is a stellar athlete. Uh, I mean, truly one of the best to ever perform as a gymnast, compete as a gymnast. She's incredible. And she withdrew from the Olympics. I believe it was today that that happened. Maybe it was yesterday. My days are already It wasn't together. from the Olympics, we should say, uh, at least as far as I know, unless you've heard something else than me. It was from the all-around competition on this day okay. that she stepped okay. back and let her teammates do that. Okay. So, I, yeah, I didn't have the detail of that. So, initially it was reported that it was a health issue, I believe. I think they were vague about it. And then she basically came out and said that it was her mental health. She was concerned about her mental health and was afraid to compete that way and risk injury. And there's been some backlash, as there always is anytime anything like this is talked about. And it's really too bad. You know, this is mental health is something that up until recently wasn't talked about. You know, there was, a, I don't know what Olympics it was. I, I want to say it was a little while ago. There was a gymnast that competed and landed fairly famously landed a, a vault on one foot because she was injured. Yeah, Karen um, you know, she, mm -hmm. yeah. That used to be how this worked. You pushed through, you fought through. It didn't matter how injured you were. It didn't matter how much you were struggling with something. You just fought through it. And, and let's be honest, that's not really a healthy way of life. It's not a healthy way to compete. It's not really a healthy way to do anything, but that's just how it was. And, and I think, you know, in recent years, mental health is something that's become more talked about. It's become a little bit more acceptable to deal with, a little bit more acceptable. We're hearing more and more athletes speak out about it. And I think that that's huge. I think it's huge. I think 
you know, the more something is talked about, the more common it becomes, the more people, the, the stigmas start to disappear. And the more people who are struggling with it feel that they can talk about it or that they can reach out and ask for help. And I think the fact that, you know, Simone Biles has come out and, and, and said this so publicly is huge. I think the fact that she was able to, I mean, she's young. She's what, like 24, I think at 24 years old to be able to recognize that she, especially because I don't think people think about things like this, but doing what she does, if she isn't in the mental place to do it and takes the wrong message, she could break her neck. She could have a not only career ending injury, but a life altering injury. And so for her to have the wherewithal to look at this and say, you know what, mentally, I'm just not in the right place to do this. I need to take a step back when she's in a position of competing at the Olympics, the strength that it has and the, the, the self-awareness that it takes to do something like that is huge. And I, my hat is off to her. I, I really commend her for doing that. I think it was huge. I think it was a huge deal to do something like that. I wish that people would remember once again, that athletes are our people first. And I, I think back over this last year, 2020, I guess more so when this pandemic hit and we were all struggling, everybody struggled in one way or another, it was hard. And, you know, we were, we wanted to be around people and we couldn't, and things were different. They weren't what we were, what it was used to. And life was, not as fun. It was more difficult. There was less joy in things. There are all these things that we all kind of felt and struggled with together. And we got through it and we, we, you know, we, we worked past it and, and lasted it out. Lasted. I don't know if that's even correct. Outlasted anyway, it. Sure. Outlasted. There we go. That's the word. Outlasted it. And I think about that. And then I think about the Olympics this year and what that's been like. You know, it is a drastically different experience this year than it has ever been before. You know, athletes are normally a little bit more social, able to be around more people. There's a little bit more leeway with that. This year, they wouldn't let you even people who had disabilities and needed to bring someone in there was have been some stories about them not being able to bring in their help the people that help them and things like that and so this is a very different scenario than what athletes are used to they're in a bubble they're away from their families they're lonely they're they're dealing with all of that they're dealing with the covid protocols they're dealing with the fear of of the of COVID being there and, and what that can mean. There, there's so many things that they're having to deal with and grapple with that we've never seen before. And they're doing it while competing at an extremely high level with a lot of pressure. And then you've got these people sitting at home in their, you know, they're the armchair experts over here sitting there watching these athletes and being critical of them taking care of their mental health. And that's infuriating. It's infuriating to see people picking on them. I say all of that to say, you know, mental health is a, is a real important thing. And it's something that we all need to be aware of and talking about and making more normal and acceptable to take care of that because, you know, your body can be in tip top shape. You can be one of the best athletes competing at the highest level. And if your mental health is is not where it needs to be, it can bring you crashing down. So good for her. Good for Simone Biles. I, I hope that she is able to rest and, and do whatever needs to be done to get herself to a place where she's healthy. First of all, it's a reminder that the life of a high-level athlete can be good and often is. But a life for a high-level athlete is seldom kind. And I think there's a big difference. And 
even in the normal ways. For instance, you are viewed in a certain way and driven toward a certain thing and pressures on your shoulders from the time that you are very young. I mean, for gymnasts, it's particularly so. Five, six years yeah. old, even NBA players now, 10, 11, 13. Uh, people are being scouted before they hit high school and viewed yeah. through a certain narrow lens and their entire life summed up by that view. That's not that's not kind. And every adult, I mean, your your uh, coaches, your support system, is there because of that view and because of that narrow lens that you have to fit into. Uh, in some cases, even your parents, although hopefully they have other families, you know, or other family that they can go to. But uh, your friends, <laughs> I mean, you're popular because of what? <laughs> so. Yeah. You have all that, which can be an extremely cruel existence, even with the rewards it gives. And also knowing for an Olympic athlete that once you're done, you're basically going to be disposed of. I mean, yeah. you, you might be able to name six Olympic athletes through all of history that you still remember. Yeah. But would you recognize them on the street today? Probably only the ones that were recent. And right. six out of how many? <laughs> okay. So you're disposed yeah. of summarily when you're finished. Yeah. Okay. And if you're lucky, your name's mentioned every fourth year as someone who won a medal. All right. So that's cruel enough. But then you also have that entire gymnastics federation, uh, including Simone Biles' generation, especially, you know, had to endure the Larry Nasser abuse yep. and the cover up and how that was not dealt with and still has not really been addressed. Oh, Nasser's been prosecuted and has gone to jail. But everybody then went, well, we're done with that. Well, what about yeah. the system? That, that kind of led to that or made it so easy or allowed it to be covered up for a decade? What about the the complicity of all the people who were around and either didn't notice, didn't care, or turned people away? None of that's been addressed. So you're carrying all of that as well. And at a certain point, like that whole environment becomes such a toxic stew that it's hard, I think, to stand out and say, A, I'm going to represent this. B, I'm going to be at the pinnacle of it. And C, I'm going to carry it all on my shoulders. And I'm not saying that she could or couldn't, should or shouldn't. That's her decision. But there's a lot more at stake here than meets the eye. And condemning her for making whatever decision she makes, I think, is just, again, doing what was the problem in the first place. Narrowing down the lens so tightly to this competition in this moment that it, it excludes everything human and, I'd argue, everything really important about the process. Yeah, and when someone comes out and says that their mental health is, is not in a good place, why are we saying anything other than, I hope you're okay? Why is anything else even a conversation? Why, why is that not the only acceptable response? I just don't understand that. Yeah, when someone's hurt like that, the game stops. We've right. said this before, right? The game stops, and it's all a game. And this too, I mean, this is the other point. Is people go, well, what about pride for your country? And what about respect for your teammates and stuff? Well, first of all, the teammates get to make that call. You don't. Right. right. The, and the teammates no, were very supportive, yeah, for the record. Exactly. Hey, Twitter CEO, this is not about your opinion. I'm not saying CEO of Twitter. I'm, I'm cheesed off right. because I saw a CEO of some other company just lambast her because everything centers around his opinion, of course. So, like, there is no reality other than what he thinks he is, which is just stupid, ridiculous, should not work for people like that, by the way. But, um, so, you have 
people will say, what about your country? What about your teammates? What about pride and honor? What about the, the work, the sport? Yes, all of that still exists. That, that living for something and living up to something greater than yourself does still exist. We have not gotten rid of that, and it is not overturned entirely in this situation. But you do have to ask, what's at stake here? Right. And everything that you're really talking about with all that mumbo jumbo is, I want to sit in front of a TV and watch this girl do something so I can see my flag wave and whatever. And you know what? Whether that happens or not, you'll still get up and go to work tomorrow. You'll still get up and feed your kids breakfast, okay? It makes... I'm not going to say it makes no difference to you, but it really makes very little difference to you. Right. It's her whole life. She's right. the one who put in everything. And it's her, her, her body, her mind, her heart, her social interaction, her whatever it is, and her future. It's everything for her. So you know what? She gets to make that decision, and you didn't, don't get to hold pride for a bigger thing over her head, because for you, it's not really a bigger thing. The United States will still exist, and your patriotism can still exist if she doesn't go out and do the uneven bars, all right? And by the way, if she fell off them, it would still exist for you. Now, Martians invade, and the only way that we can save the Earth is to do a really good floor routine— at that point, I think we can justly claim, <laughs> come on, pride for, for the country and save our world and everything relies on you. And you know what? You've got to stand up to this pressure and perform. Otherwise, we will all be destroyed. I'll, I'll buy that one. But, but as it is, we're not even close to that. So we all get to hush up and she gets to make the decision she makes. And we get to support her and Team USA and the sport either way it goes. Yeah, that's just never going to not be infuriating to me. And I think, too, like, if you want such pride in your country and, and that's such a huge, important thing to you, then you get off your butt and learn to compete at that kind of level and you go represent the Olympics. The, you go represent the USA at the Olympics. But in the meantime, you know, you're not. You're sitting at home on your chair. So shut it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you know what it is, and I think this is true. I'm not saying patriotism is this. I'm, I want to let, let's switch gears just a little bit, compartmentalize what we just said, but let's let's look at some of this. Well, you got to stick it out and whatever. You know where we're getting that from is because some third string halfback on a, a, a you know six man football team in some little town got told that by their coach and by their dad, and it hurt. And by the way, I'm not sure coach and dad should have told you that. That's all they knew how to say. God bless everybody, but that coach and that dad were wrong. In fact, they were wrong. They were dumb, all right? And, and hurting young men in the name of going out and scoring a touchdown is not worth it. You misplaced a lot of stuff, including the value of that child and the value of the sport and the meaning of the sport. But... A lot of people were hurt that way. And I think a lot of people operate on the basis of, well, if I got hurt that way and had to you know, put up with it, then you do too. But that just perpetuates it into the next generation. That's just repeating the stupidity. Yeah. Can we stop it? If a kid doesn't want to play football, can we say, okay. <laughs> or if a kid can only do 11 push-ups, and I know... You know what? You can still excel because there will be the kid who does 111. Celebrate that kid for that. But if kid only does 11 and he's not meant to be on the football team, that's still a valid human being. And let's stop viewing all our children through that stupid narrow lens that, that 
destroys people uh, no matter what level they're on. And, and, you know, I think we need to tune out a lot of these voices and just say, hey, Simone Biles, we support you in your decision. And it may or may not be the one I'd make, but it doesn't matter because A, I don't know, and B, I'm not you. So since you're you and I've enjoyed what you've done and I only know you because I've enjoyed what you've done, I will continue to support you instead of turning on you now at the moment when you probably need the most support. Yeah, I I just... I just don't even almost... I almost just don't even have the capacity to keep. I just... I struggle. I struggle so much with... I'm not even making sense at this point. It's hard dealing with stupid. I mean, I'm sorry, but the difference is now we at least have a, a, a avenue to open the window and call it what it is well, instead and, of justifying it. And here's the thing. If this is how you were raised, you, you push through, you whatever, like I get that. I understand that. But this is, this is, and this is at the core of so many issues, not just this specific one, but like be open to hearing other perspectives and not just to know how to argue back, like be open to the fact that, Hey, you know what? I might be wrong and maybe there's something I can learn from this. Like, Hey, yeah, you know what? Maybe the way that we've always done it isn't the right way. Maybe we can learn from what people are saying now. And I just think that that's important. I think in life in general, not just in dealing with this specific issue, but in life in general, it's important to always listen to the people around you. And and it's always important to listen to different perspectives and not listen to argue, listen to change, listen to be better, listen to learn. I think that that's important. And I think that we all should learn from that. I think that we all need to be aware of those things and, and be open to the fact that we may not always be right and maybe we have room to grow and be better. And so, you know, I don't know. This is this is a tough one. This Although, is a tough one. Even if you are right, let's say you are right, because for many people, that kind of value system has brought them somewhere. Great. Right. I'm glad. But the whole world is not you. And right. someone else gets to be different than you. That's yep. the big mind-boggling thing for most yep. people. Just because I learned something and it works for me. Well, it works for everyone and that's the right way. No, it worked for you. And by the way, it probably worked for you because you got rewarded for that. That you grew up in a system that rewarded that. Not everybody does. For some people, including, I'm sure, many recent U.S. gymnasts have grown up in a system that's actively hurt them. Right. And I will argue, Mr. CEO and CEOs across the land, if you you spout all this stuff, right, about it's for the team and it's about the this and it's about something bigger than ourselves and you work harder than smarter and faster and all that stuff. Great. I would argue if we took away all the mansions, houses, cars and salaries and paid you minimum wage for doing the same thing you did now, most of you would not be saying that anymore. Most of you would be looking at it and saying, you know what? I'm not getting rewarded for all these values and time and energy I'm putting in. So I quit. There's no way. I'm, it would be insane to be the CEO of this company for eight twenty-five an hour. I'm not doing it. Yeah. What happened to your values? What happened to do it for the company? What happened to do it? Well, you stopped getting rewarded for it. It didn't make sense for you anymore. And so you're going to drop it like a hot potato. But you're pissed off, pardon me, when someone else does that because it doesn't make sense for them. That is hypocrisy. So, and, and that is, I think that's a big part of the problem. In any case, yeah, I, this is, I, I find it, and, and we've, we've heard its echoes with the NBA and, well, if I were Damian Lillard, I'd stay. You don't know that. 
You don't know. I, I, you know what? I bet most of you wouldn't. But from more your point of view, it makes sense, and you don't see beyond yourself. And I'm not saying yeah. that wanting him to stay or saying that you'd stay is bad. I'm saying if he doesn't stay, he gets to be him. He doesn't have to be you. Um, let's wrap it up with this, uh, cause I think we've gone for a while tonight, but, uh, the draft, the draft is coming up here real quick as tonight. it stands. And when people oh yeah. This. When this airs, yeah. when this airs, as it stands, we do not have picks. Um, so, you know, they, they, there are things that can be done to, to get picks, uh, honestly, I don't really see that happening. I, I would be surprised if the Blazers do much. I think, uh, you know, typically that tends to be about building a future of a team. And I think right now that's probably not the focus. Um, but I don't know. What do you think? Do you think they're going to try to get into that? That's what most things with Portland. It's a timing issue, isn't it? They probably need to rebuild. If you could have a crystal ball and see what's coming. I mean, we all know it's leaning towards Dame leaving which means that they need to start rebuilding as soon as possible. And by the way, if we wait a year, is CJ's value higher or lower? I'm going to argue it's probably lower, for instance. So if the rumor of, well, a top four pick, and I don't think it was number one. I don't think there's any way in heck that happens. But, you know, top four pick somewhere or top six pick is available for McCollum. If you could see Lillard's future and he's leaving, you should take that in a hot second. But you're not there yet. The timing's wrong, right? So they need to be able to make moves that they can't make yet credibly if they want to give the appearance of or have a chance of retaining Lillard. So they're kind of screwed. So no, I don't think they move up high in the draft. Uh, It wouldn't surprise me to see them get a second rounder because this is a very Portland fiddly thing to do. And they've frankly shown that they can make some value out of second round pick, sure. But I think that that's that's a small move. And by the way, they've traded away most of their second rounders. I mean, their second rounders, they've been passing out like candy. So they don't have a lot of, a lot of second rounders to swap. But if they see somebody there that they really like, I think they'll still go for it. I'm, I'm less sure that they'll be able to cha- trade into the first round because I don't think they have the players to do it. I think they like Anthony Simons too much. Nasir Little, maybe. I mean, he could be uh. a lever. But... Uh, I don't think he gets you high. I'm not sure you trade Nasir Little for a 23rd pick. And do you want to make a trade for something that's so unknown like that when you have like the when you have somebody like that that you know? I, I think that would be dumb. I mean, the exciting one is DJJ. You know, uh, if they can trade Derek Jones Jr. to get somewhere, but again, he doesn't have the track record, the stats, or the anything to get you a lottery pick. I mean, the, you, you'd have to be drinking or somebody would have to be drinking to envision that move. So what can you do? What, if, what have you got that you can move? And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think Robert Covington's value has gone up. I mean, I think it's about the same, but I'm not sure. I think the Blazers probably overpaid to get Covington uh, at the first round pick. And uh, can they get that back right now? I am, I'm frankly not entirely sure. So, I mean, uh, that's a possibility. But how would you feel, Deal Dia, if they traded Covington for a first rounder? That would be worse than Derek Jones Jr. and Nasir Little, wouldn't it? I'd be, I'd be livid. I'd be livid if they did that. I, I don't. If they, they uh, they're not listening. If they do, Dame is saying, "I need a championship now," and if they have any hope of holding on to him, trading Robert Covington. 
for a possible dra- or for a draft pick that could be fantastic or could flop is a terrible idea. It's just not a smart idea. So Ugh. so let's go with this. Let's say there's always an asterisk. If there's a smart move out there, they'll find it and they'll probably make it. But in the absence of that, if you if you don't have an obvious smart move, philosophically, you have to go one of two ways. Either you commit to the trade market and signing a, you know, an exception cap exception player and you go all in on win now, which is most likely what's going to happen. Or you just say, screw it. We can't do it. And we know we can't do it. We know Dame's going to leave. And you, you do it now. You go, okay, we're going to anticipate this. We're going to take control of our future again. Won't be as pretty of a future without Dame. We know he's going to demand a trade. But you know what? We're going to get into the lottery here or if we can or do whatever. And we're going to pull the trigger now so at least we control our own destiny. And by the way, we don't have to wait another year or another half year to start rebuilding it, we're going to start the rebuild as early as possible so we can get better as early as possible. I would respect that. But they better do one of those two things. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think there's a lot of middle moves available to them, but maybe I'm wrong. So I wouldn't, long story short, I wouldn't expect them to get into the first round. Uh, We'll see. It'll certainly be more exciting if they do. But if they do, it might signal bigger things than just that pick that's coming in. I'm so I'm so over trade season and it's just started. I don't know how I'm going to survive this. This might be the thing that kills me. Well, it'll be the Dave and Dave show come September. <laughs> oh, I just want it to is, be is, over. Is Julissabelle available? Because she did pretty good that I, one time. <laughs> she she was volunteering real hard to be on it tonight. So you you might be in luck there. We could ask her about Damon. She, she, uh, she, she'll she tell you all the reasons we shouldn't trade him. Well, maybe we'll get her on in one of these when the draft and stuff settles down. And we'll have Summer League to talk about, too, so that'll carry us through. That'll be a nice yeah. distraction. Yeah, we were going to talk about that tonight, but I think we've, I think we've said no, enough. No, we're, we're at an hour 20 already. Sorry, folks, but we get, you know, I hope it's entertaining. We certainly get passionate and wrapped up about this stuff. So anything else, Dia, that you want to say? No, it's funny, though, because we were talking about doing podcasts through the off season, and it was like, I mean, even if they're only half an hour, it's something, and here we are going longer than we normally do. Yeah, thanks, Henry Abbott. Thanks, Dame. I mean, we weren't expecting to have to deal with this so soon, but there you go. All right, well, we'll be back next week. We'll know more about what happened to the draft there, and we'll talk about Summer League. Hopefully, there will be no more Damian Lillard wants to be traded articles. We're about one a week now, so hopefully that'll go by the wayside. Either way, we will be here with you for Dia Miller. I'm Dave Deckard. We will see you again soon. A hater sees an opening down the lane, moves towards the hoop, but then Dia comes out of nowhere to swap the shot attempt away, saying, get that weak stuff out of here. Dave scoops up the loose ball. Now it's a fast break the other way with Dia. She's flying down the court. Dave comes here an alley-oop. She jams it. Boom, shakalaka. The crowd is on its feet saluting Dia. I tell you, if she isn't the rookie of the year, they really ought to just stop giving the award. What a talent. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, Just go to cars.com. It's magical.